Okay, so let's head over to our text messages. Do we have do we have Bruce on the phone? We do. Bruce. Yeah. Welcome to the show. Yeah. Yeah. Um talking about um Jacob and Esau. And, um the thing about it, in the Bible, you know how Jesus talks in parables, right? Yes. Well, parables is a parallel story. Well, there's so many parallel stories. and one, The parallel story with Jacob and Esau is really with um, the devil and the human race, one, number one, because he was first born. He's the first in heaven, yet he was kicked out, and the human race is going to take his place, you know, and it's through deception that we actually get that because Adam and Eve was deceived by the devil and whatever. And it's interesting too with Israel, with Jacob, he ended up becoming Israel, the people that will take the place, you know, and he was wrestling with God as well. <clears throat> it's a fascinating thought, Bruce. I've never, ever thought of that particular parallel before. Thank you for sharing this morning. Okay. And... Uh, I, I also got the answer to the quiz, actually. Oh, <laughs> well done. Don't, don't say it. Don't say it, whatever you do. <laughs> no, I'm not it. saying it. Just telling you. <laughs> oh, well rub it done. In, rub Congratulations. It in. This, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Bruce is rubbing in this morning. Well done, Bruce. Fantastic stuff. Thank you so much for uh, joining us here on The Breakfast Show. Let's head over to uh, text message. And just got to say, we love to hear from our listeners. Just call up. Mm. Have you say. Definitely. Um, I mean, it's one thing for us to read text messages here, but it's an altogether another thing to have a conversation. Definitely. And don't feel, you know, put off or anything. It's just you and I and Lawson having a conversation on the phone. So Yeah, that's right. Give us a call. Uh, let me see here. Let me see there. We read that one. Okay. The Virginia State Elections. Pamela, this woman is totally New World Order and totally evil. Okay. Yep. One day soon, she and many others will be arrested for acts against humanity. Maybe. We don't know the answer to that, but maybe it's possible. And it's one of those things that is, you know, because I think it's important that we don't play partisan politics here and just say, well, we're taking this side over that side or the other side. Mm. But we also need to recognise that, you know, whichever side you go for, what we're seeing at the moment is a lot of evil in politics. Yeah. It's just how it is. Dude, totally. Like the reality is like there is no party that agrees with me completely. Oh, this, this just continues on. This is Biden and the Supreme Court, unconstitutional, but just about everything happening in America is unconstitutional. <laughs> <laughs> well, don't hold back. Just keep going. Um, and then another text message here. I don't believe I am addicted to social media, but only yesterday I was thinking about giving it a rest for a week. The trouble is I do so much research on my mobile that I would find it pretty hard. Okay, I had this problem, mm-hmm. right? And so here's what happens is you pick up your mobile to answer a text message or a messenger message and your Facebook is sitting there with, you know, a number on it, one little red number, and it's like, ooh, I have 10 notifications in Facebook. I better check those and make sure they're up to date. And so you check them and you start scrolling. Once you start scrolling, that's it, you're done. Mm -hmm. And so I found that that was a major problem for me on my phone, so I got rid of Facebook off my phone. So now if I'm going to go on Facebook, I have to go on my computer. Mm -hmm. And it has helped me immeasurably. Mm -hmm. So I would recommend it to anyone and everyone. Uh, Continues on here. Uh, My social media is 99% information, 1% gossip. Mine is not 99% information. Mine is 60% information. 39% 39% ads. <laughs> yes. And 1% uh, 
half a percent gossip and half a percent of actually really nice stuff. Yeah, what 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 do you class as information? I feel like I just have a bunch of cool stuff from my friends that they share and cool photos and life updates. And... I have very little of that. Oh wow, well. <laughs> my life is sad. <laughs> Uh, Jacob and Esau, like east to west, Isaac, uh, disobedience to God's prophecy caused the problems that followed. It seems that most of the patriarchs were in part disobedient. We never seem to learn. Mm. Yeah, wow. <sighs> Tell you what, what I'm do? addicted to, looking at vans on Facebook. Yes, Lawson wants to buy a van. If you have a van for sale, Lawson is Dude, in the market. I'll snap it up, bro. Send, just, send it my way. <laughs> just uh, give him a big discount and... and uh, <laughs> He'll be as yep. happy as. The, the Faith FM discount. <laughs> That's it. No, Lawson is in the market for a van, uh, one that he can put his motorbike in the back of. Mm-hmm, that's he wants right. to go camping and so forth. Mm-hmm. And one that he can sleep in. So that's the kind of van mm, he's looking for. I wouldn't even say sleep in. You can roll your swag yeah, down on I the guess, floor. I guess so. Believe me, when it comes to camping, metal over the top of your head is better than canvas all day long. Yeah. Also, like, so I have a special ability, Lyle. Right. I, I'm actually I'm actually quite talented in this area. Mm. I can go to sleep anywhere, anytime, any condition, any level of noise, mm. any surface. Mm. Like I could But leg- do you sleep well when you're laying in your swag and there's water pouring into it and your sleeping bag is getting wet? Yeah, probably not. But that's where I can just sit in the front seat of my van and sleep Not there. Uh, a van's just good. It's just, yeah. you know, it's just, it's just a good idea. It's just, you know, it is. Just put it's a, a band really in the back for crying out loud. And yeah, that's actually, that's also a good idea. Yes. Um, anyways. Okay, let's, uh, seeing as we are studying the book of Deuteronomy. Okay. Okay. Let's go to, you ready for it? Uh-huh. The book of Deuteronomy. Yes! Let's go! <laughs> seeing as we studied Ephesians yesterday, let's go to Deuteronomy today. Mm. We've got a bunch of verses that we can look at here. As we work our way through today's study, and let's go to Deuteronomy 7 and verse 7. 7 and verse 7. 7, 7. The Bible says right here, The Lord did not set his heart on you and choose you because you are more numerous than the other nations, for you are the smallest of all the nations. Yeah, now you think about that. We've been talking about the uh, story of the book of Genesis. Mm-hmm. And you've got some major nations. You've got the Edomites. Mm. They become a powerful nation, and uh, they are down there on the, you know, the the uh, eastern shore of the of the Jordan, down south in the mountains, in a very uh, well fortified region, natural natural fortifications. Um, if anyone's ever been to, you know, places like uh, Petra, for instance. Mm. Uh, which you know dates back to Edomite times, then you will know that this was just wow, what a place to live. Uh, then you've got the Midianites, and uh, you have you know they're also descendants of 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 Abraham. Um, so you've got the Midianites, you've got the Edomites, you've got the you know the, you've got quite a number of descendants of Abraham that have grown into very great and significant nations. Mm. You've got the Ishmaelites, totally. All of these nations are bigger than the Israelites. All of these nations are more wealthy than the Israelites. All of these nations are more powerful than the Israelites. All of these nations uh, are living in their own country, in their own land, in their own homes, and the Israelites have been slaves for 400 years. Mm. 
And so they have now come out and they now don't have a home and they are not more numerous and they are very much the underdog. Yeah. But what does God say about them in this verse? He says that he chose them anyway. He chose them. Why did he choose them? Because he loved them. Mm. It's that simple. He loved these people. Did we read verses 8 as well? No, but we... We're probably going to have to come back and read verse 8 in just a moment. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Rather, it was simply that the Lord loves you, and he was keeping the oath he had sworn to your ancestors. That is why the Lord rescued you with such a strong hand from the oppressive slavery, um, uh, sorry, from the oppressive hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Okay, so why does the Bible say that they were rescued right here? Uh, because God loved them. Because God loves them. Mm. And he was going to keep the oath that he swore to, his, to their parents. Mm. Okay, go down to verse 13. Continues in verse 13. He will love you and bless you, and he will give you many children. He will give fertility to your land and your animals. When you arrive in the land he has swore to give your ancestors, you will have a large harvest of grains, new wine, and olive oil, and great herds of cattle, and sheep and goats. Okay, so what... Whoa, 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 whoa. I need my microphone. There it goes. Okay, so what was it that uh, what what is God promising them here? Um, like essentially great, you know, harvests and abundance and provision and just everything. He's like, oh yeah, I'm gonna everything's gonna be pretty good for you guys. Absolutely. And even today, you know, the Bible says that uh, these were not, you know, He didn't love them because they were the most numerous. Mm. He loved them because He made a promise to them, and He made a promise to love them. That teaches us something about the nature of love, uh, because sometimes we. You know, we look at love as something that we fall into. You fall in love. Yeah. Nobody falls in love. It's just Did not a thing. Did you not fall in love? No, it's not a thing. person chooses to be in love. Mm. And if you want a relationship to last, that's our relationship. If you fall in love, you can fall out of love. Yes. But if you choose to love somebody, then your love can last. Mm. Uh, it sounds super unromantic, doesn't it? I just... Killed the uh, the romantic notions of uh, every young lady out there this morning. <laughs> it's like made it sound just like cold and clinical, and it's not cold and clinical. And there is a lot of romance, and romance is absolutely amazing and it's special. But at the end of the day, if you want a relationship that's going to last into your old age, that's a decision you make, mm. and oh, it's a decision totally. you make every day. Yeah. All right, where are we up to? Uh, we got sidetracked. We were talking about how that God chose to love these people mm. and he chooses to bless them and he gives them this promise that he's going to take them into this land and set them up there and make them wealthy. And if you look at you know the world today, of course, the Edomites and the uh, Midianites and so forth have become a part of the Ishmaelites, which is what we call Arabs, mm-hmm. and they vastly outnumber Israel, even to this day. They always have. Totally. Israel's always been smaller. Uh, but God says, no, I chose to love you guys. Okay, let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 10 and verse 15. Deuteronomy 10, verse 15. Deuteronomy chapter 10 and verse 15, the Bible says, Yet the Lord chose your ancestors as objects of his love, and he chose you, their descendants, above all other nations, as it is evident today. Yeah, does they sound like the kind of nation that you would choose to love if you were God? Uh, No. I guess not. Like 
they're kind of rebellious and they're always doing the wrong thing. They're terrible. And, uh-huh. <laughs> like those, like, so I've just finished reading the book of Deuteronomy. I've started like from the beginning of the Bible and I'm reading all the way through. Um, yes. And so I'm in Joshua at the moment. And it's just like, by the time you get to Deuteronomy, like the whole point is like, you guys have messed up epically. And ne- that's why we're waiting so long. And then you get to D- Joshua and it's like, finally they're getting some wins out of the belt and they continue to mess up epically. Like they do, they fully fall like to all the people, what, the Gibeonites, like they fall for the trick. The Gibeonites rock up and they're like, we're from a foreign land and we're really poor. And then they swear an oath to them and then they have to spare them and let them live with them. Although they got some like slaves out of it. Anyways. And then they get smashed at AI. <laughs> AI, which is what all of uh, five acres in size. Mm. You know, it's tiny. It's like a tiny little town and they get smashed. It's just like continually like they're just running into problems that are 100% because of their rebelliousness. Like I feel like there's such an application to make today as well. Like, you know, how can our lives go wrong if we, you know, stick to just the precepts of the Lord? but then secondarily have a relationship with him as well. And you could say primarily have a relationship with him and secondarily stick to the precepts. But it's just, it's just so clear, like what God is trying to do with these people from, from a principle level, from what he shared with them through the law, through his purpose for them to be this great nation. Like he's like, guys, I'm going to set you up. I'm going to help you live your best life. I'm going to do everything for you. And then they're just like actively rebelling when all the evidence points in the favor of God, really being able to do what he says he's going to do. And it's like, guys, come on, please. (laughs) Yet right here, he's like, oh, no, I love you guys so much. And I've chosen you and you'll be my people. And I think you get a bit of an understanding of this when you have children. Mm. Because when you've got kids, you know, your kids can do terrible things and your kids can let you down and your kids can disappoint you. Yeah. But you can never stop loving them. Mm. It's an impossibility. No matter where they go, no matter what decisions they make, no matter how badly they come unstuck, you can never stop loving your kids. Mm. It's really that simple. And, and, I, and God I know, can't stop loving us even I, though we rebel. And I know you understand that expressly because I know your sons and they're definitely disappointing people. And <laughs> I'm just joking. I'm just kidding. They're my friends, by the way. I was, I was, talking, to, I was talking to one of your sons yesterday. I was to, man, I talked to them. Is, I talked he, to is he going to fix your bumper bar? Yeah, yeah dude. Nice. I love it. So one of our sons is a pastor and the other one is a panel beater. Great mix. And it's just the best. I just call one for spiritual advice and call the other to fix my car. That's it. That's it. <laughs> it's awesome. All right, let's go to Deuteronomy 23 and verse 5. We're cranking through the verses today. Deuteronomy 23, 23 and, and verse, verse five. 5. Let's see right here. It says, But the Lord your God refused to listen to Balaam. He turned the intended curse into a blessing because the Lord your God loves you. Okay, so this was a situation. It's a fascinating story, the story of Balaam. I hope we do get time to spend more time in it. But you've got Balak, who is the king of the Midianites, and he wants. He recognizes that he can't conquer Israel through, um, you know, through the army that he has, and that he's not strong enough. And so he decides that the way to conquer Israel is to actually get a curse placed upon them. Mm. Uh, but he also recognizes that none of their gods are strong enough. Yeah. Because the Israelite God has, you know, Yahweh has proven himself to be stronger than 
the Egyptian gods, the Edomite gods, you know, all of the other gods that are out there uh, have been proven to be weaker. And he doesn't trust his own gods to be strong enough to curse these guys. And so he searches the world for someone who is a follower of Yahweh. Mm. And when he finds somebody who is a follower of Yahweh, he then hires, but he's not an Israelite, so he's not going to have you know national ties to this particular uh, nation. He hires that person, pays him large sums of money to come and curse Israel. Yeah. And so Balaam comes. He comes from Mesopotamia. He is a servant of Yahweh, but he is not an Israelite, so he doesn't mm. have you know a uh, a family bond to the Israelites. So it's like, well, you give the guy enough money, surely he'll be he'll be you know called to uh, curse this nation, uh, and and curse this nation by Yahweh. Mm. And when Balaam comes, God speaks through Balaam. God doesn't hold back. He's like, yes, Balaam is my prophet. I will speak through Balaam. And the only things that come out of Balaam's mouth are blessings. Yeah, wow. Blessings and blessings and blessings. Mm. And, and, and Balaam is, uh, Balak, sorry, is tearing his hair out. And Balak's like, well, maybe uh, what we'll do is we will take you to a place where you can only see you know, a little corner of the camp and let's just sort of curse them one bit at a time. And they try all of these different things, and every time Balaam just comes out with the most sublime blessings that you'll ever hear. And eventually, Balaam just starts coming out and he just starts prophesying about the Messiah. Yeah. Gives the greatest messianic, one of the greatest messianic prophecies in the Bible, and it's just pouring out of his mouth all of these blessings, and Balak is, Balak is just beside himself. Yeah. And so you've got this situation here where Balaam turns up to curse them, and God's like, you know what, I love these people. So this is what this is what's going to happen. This is what we're going to do. We're going to bless them. Wow! Yeah, amazing story. Uh, let's go over to oh, we've got a couple of uh, got a couple of text messages coming through here. This one comes from Bruce. The reason God loves the Jews is because they had the seed promised to Adam and Eve, and that same seed passes down to Jesus. It was very special. Then you've got uh, Rafi here. I believe God kept Israel as a smaller nation than the nations around them, so they would never think that all that God does for them was because of their own numbers and their own power. Mm. God was to receive the glory. Totally. Good comments coming through from our listeners here. If you'd like to send your comment through, the number is 0491-064-669. We do love to hear from you guys. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. All right, let's head over to Deuteronomy chapter 33 and verse 3. That is Deuteronomy 33 and verse 3. Go for it, Lawson. Indeed, he loves his people. All his holy ones are in his hands. They follow in his steps and accept his teaching. Yeah, my translation puts that a whole lot different. Yes, he loves the people. All his saints are in your hand. They sit down at your feet. Everyone receives your words. Anyway. Mine says that exactly the same thing. It's just it's just saying it from a different perspective. Yeah. But it says the same, exactly the same thing. No. Yeah. It's a different perspective. No, it's talking like... Read yours again. So Read yours says, again. Indeed, he loves his people. So it's talking about God in the yes. third person. Yes. Right? Indeed, he loves his people. All his holy ones are in his hands. See, in your hand, mine says. Yours says in his hands. Mine yeah, says in your hand. That's kind of the opposite. No, it's talking about... So, opposite perspective. So Moses... Ah, let's is, not argue about it. It's whether Moses is talking to the people or talking to God. And so in my translation, it's, it's interpreting it that Moses is talking to the people. 
mm-hmm. and saying that all of the blessings is in his hands, God's hands. Okay. All right. Anyway, the long and the short of it, we don't need to we don't need to worry about it. The Bible simply says that yes, indeed, he loves the people; they are all in his hand. They sit down at his feet, and everyone receives his words. Yes, and that's what we want to be. Yes. That's where you know that's life goals right there. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what we, we we want to achieve. We know that God loves us, so uh, we know that He holds us in the palm of His hand. Totally, and we know that no one can take us out of God's hand. We can we can climb out, but no one can take us out. Um, and so we should sit down at his feet and receive his words. Mm. That's what Martha did. Sorry, Mary did, and Martha was told to do by Jesus. All right, let's look at some more verses while we are on a roll. Deuteronomy chapter five and verse ten. Ah, uh, let's see if we can find a common theme amongst all of these verses right here. Deuteronomy five and verse ten. But I lavish unfailing love for thousand generations. On those who love and obey my commands. Okay, so what have you? You've got two things, two two aspects in this verse right here. What are they? Um, lavishing, unfailing love. Yes, upon thousands of generations. That's who do what? Very long time. Uh, who love me and obey my commands. Okay, so love and obedience mm. go together, don't they? Let's go to Deuteronomy seven and verse nine now where the Bible says here in Deuteronomy 7 verse 9, Understand, therefore, that the Lord your God is indeed God. He is a faithful God who keeps his covenant for a thousand generations and lavishes his unfailing love on those who love him and obey his commands. Okay, so we've got a text message coming here through from Freco, and this was a discussion that we were actually having during the break. And we were just sort of like, do we go back and look at this again? Uh, but anyway, it says, We all come from Adam, and God loves us all so much and wants to bring us home to him. Mm. And, yeah, we, we very true, and we absolutely understand that. And I think that, because in the last one, I said the seed of Adam mm-hmm. is why, you know, it passes on to the Israelite people. Uh, I think it was more the seed of Abraham yes, where the blessing passes on to the mm. Israelite people. That might have been me mis- misreading it, but. Yeah, anyway, we are all uh, the seed of Adam and the recipient of the promises that are given to Adam. Okay, where where, where were we? What were we just reading? Uh, Deuteronomy 7 verse 9, was it? Yeah, and it's a a repeat here of what what has been previously said. Like, Therefore, that the Lord your God is God, the faithful God, who keeps covenant and mercy for a thousand generations for those that love him and keep his commandments. Dude, mine says lavishes unfailing love on them. I love that. Uh, I think that's very epic language. It is. Mm. It's extravagant language. Mm. And uh, extravagant language is entirely appropriate. Totally. Yes. And so really what you've got here is the New Testament concept where Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commandments. Mm. And it's also interesting that in all of these passages, love comes first, commandment keeping comes second. Yes. Because, you know, it it uh, it, it kind of goes like that old parable that is been told many times of the wife, the woman who, who who met a man, had a whirlwind relationship, married this guy, and it turns out he was abusive. Mm. And so she wakes up on the first night of the honeymoon, she's feeling all warm and joyous inside, and he hands her a list. These are the things you must do. And on that list was how he wanted his uh, food prepared, how he wanted his... Uh, clothes prepared, how he wanted his coffee made in the morning, how he wanted, you know, 
all of this kind of thing. So you're saying I shouldn't do this? That sounds like a pretty good deal. <laughs> yeah, you haven't you haven't you haven't heard the end of the story yet. You haven't heard the end of the story. And uh, he just demanded it, and he forced her into. And it was just a terrible relationship. There was no love in that relationship whatsoever at all, mm. and it was an abusive relationship. And eventually, by the grace of God, he died. Yep. And some years later, she, by the grace of God, met a really nice guy and married him. And had a wonderful relationship uh, right into their old age. And one time in their old age, she was in the attic and cleaning out some dusty boxes and found the original list from her first husband and started to read through it. And she's like, oh, I'll read this. This will be a bit of a laugh. I'll read through this old list again. And uh, she starts to read through it. She reads the first thing on the list and she's like, oh, I actually do that anyway. Um, and then she reads the second thing on the list and she's like, oh, I do that too. And she reads the third thing on the list and she's like, well, actually... I do that, and she reads down through the list, and she suddenly finds that she's doing everything on the list. Mm. What's the difference between those two relationships? Why was one abusive and the other not? Because there was love. Because one was founded on love. Mm. Love changes everything. People who don't love God hate the law of God. People who do love God love the law of God. It's that simple. Mm. Love changes everything in the equation. Let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 10. And verse 12 and 13. Where the Bible says, And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you? He requires only that you fear the Lord your God and you live in a way that pleases him and love and serve him with all your heart and soul. And you must always obey the Lord's commands and decrees that I am giving you today for your own good. Okay, so the Bible says, uh, what were we saying here in the uh, in the end of verse twelve? There to love and to serve with all your heart, with all your soul. So love comes, and then service, and then of course moving on to the next verse, and to keep the commandments of the Lord and His statutes, which I command you for your good. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Challenge of the day. <laughs> it is challenge of the challenge day. Challenge of the day, Lyle. You've been challenged yes. by a listener. Yes. And that challenge is that they dare you. Oh, I'm being dared, yes. They dare you to read Revelation chapter oh, 3 oh, and oh, verse 12 oh, oh. in the King James Version in relation oh, to the King Trinity James. doctrine publicly on air. All right. Challenge accepted. I love it when somebody challenges me to read the Bible on air. So it's just the best thing ever. Um, in fact, reading the Bible on air is my favorite thing to do. So please continue to give me challenges uh, in relationship to reading the Bible. Here we go. Revelation chapter 3 and verse 12. The Bible says, Him that overcometh will I make a pillar in the temple of my God and shall go. By the way, this is Jesus speaking. So if you've got a red letter edition, it'll be in red letters. Him that overcometh will I make a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go no more out, and I will write upon him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, which is New Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God, and I will write upon him my new name. Mm-hmm. Just love this passage right here. Now, of course, the question that comes out of it, and it's a very, very valid question, is why does Jesus refer to the Father as my God. 
Mm. Doesn't that kind of imply that Jesus is not God? Now, if you take a Unitarian view of, of the Bible, and, and Unitarians, uh, you find Unitarians amongst uh, um, Orthodox Jews, Jehovah's Witness, uh, Muslims, and others, take a Unitarian view of the Bible where God is one person. Rather than being three persons in the Godhead, God is one person. If you take that view, then it makes sense here that, you know, if you've got uh, person A calls person B God, then logically speaking, person A cannot be God. That's kind of the argument that goes with this. Mm. But that only works if Unitarian is true. Unitarianism is true. If God isn't one person, if God is actually three persons, the whole argument collapses. Mm-hmm. Um, if the Father and the Son are both distinct members of the Godhead, which is the overwhelming testimony of Scripture, then there's nothing logically incoherent about God, about God the Son calling God the Father my God. Mm. It sounds weird, but there's nothing logically incoherent about it. We just don't like it because it sounds odd to us. Mm. Okay, so what we've got to look at is the testimony of Scripture, and then we've got to consider why would Jesus use that kind of language in this kind of context, and then we're going to come back and actually look at this particular passage itself. So, uh, first of all, are there three members of the Godhead? Let's go. This is like a super short study um, on, you know, I've got like, three presentations, three one-hour presentations on this, and you're going to get it in like three minutes. Okay, let's go. Uh, Genesis chapter 1, the Bible says uh, in verse 26, and God, that singular, said, let us, that's plural, that's more than one, let us make man in our image, that's plural, after our likeness, that's plural, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over the cattle and over the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God made man in his, singular, own image, in the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. And so you've got this intermixture of plural and singular here, one God, three persons. Mm. If you go over to, for instance, uh, let's go to now, great illustration of this is in Genesis chapter 19, uh, verse 24, the Bible says, Then the Lord, you'll find that in small caps, so that is Yahweh, then Yahweh rained upon Sodom and Gomorrah brimstone and fire from the Yahweh out of heaven. Notice that you've got two people here by the name of Yahweh. You've got the one that is on earth having a conversation with Abraham, who the Bible says rains fire and brimstone on Sodom and Gomorrah from the Yahweh that is in heaven. Mm. That's more than one. That's two. If we continue on, we go over now to the book of, this is a whirlwind Bible study, uh, Exodus chapter 3. You'll find the story of the burning bush over here. And the Bible says that when the Lord, in verse 4, the Lord saw that he turned aside to see God called to him out of the middle of the bush. Read on down through. The Bible says, and God said to Moses, I am that I am. Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. It was God in the burning bush, and his name is I Am. The Bible is clear on that. So then we go over to the Gospel of John. What does Jesus say in the Gospel of John? Your father Abraham, this is chapter 8 and verse 56, rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. The Jews said to him, you're not 50 years old. How have you seen Abraham? And he said, truly, truly, I say unto you before Abraham was, I Am. Mm. When did he see Abraham? He saw Abraham when he rained fire and brimstone on Sodom and Gomorrah 
as Yahweh from Yahweh who is in heaven. Mm. So the Bible is very clear that there are three persons in the Godhead. I've just talked about the two of them right here, but the Bible is very clear that there are three persons in the Godhead. Mm. Then we ask the question, why would we have this strange statement? Why would Jesus speak? It's not logically incoherent for Jesus to say, uh, to, to refer to the Father as my God, but why would Jesus use that language? Okay, the answer is very, very simple. Jesus became a human being. And when Jesus became a human being, he left behind all of his divine power and lived on this earth as a human being so that he could be an example to us. He did not live on this earth as God. He lived on this earth as a human being. He did not cease to be God, but he never used his divine power. And thus, when he addressed the Father, he was setting an example for how we should address the Father. And in setting that example, he used, you know, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That's what he says on the cross. Why? Because he is setting us an example of how we should speak to the Father. It's exactly the same thing that you've got here in Revelation chapter 3. And let's read it because Jesus remains a human being. And I want you to notice here what it actually says because this passage actually answers itself and demolishes the argument. Notice it says here, Him that overcometh will I make a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go no more out, and I will write upon him the name of my God. What name is going to be written on the person? The name of my God, he mm-hmm. says. Mm-hmm. All right? Yahweh. And the name of the city of my God. Well, that's Jerusalem, which is New Jerusalem, which comes down from heaven, from my God. And I will write upon him. Notice here, you've got the repeat, because this is poetry that we have. You have the repeat. I will write upon him my new name. That's because Jesus has exactly the same name as the Father. Mm. Both Jesus and the Father in the Bible are called Yahweh. And so when he writes upon on him the name of my God, he is at the same time writing his own name. Anyway, there's a few thoughts. Uh, we could do three hours on that, but. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.